Happy Monday. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Andy starting off the week right for us with a little Chucky Booker game. I know that one. Old school. This is the show where we talk all trending topics and headlines across entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture. I am your host, Jill Monroe, and you are locked in. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had an amazing weekend. But now it's Monday, and of course, it's time to get in to a lot of things. And as always, we have a lot to talk about. That's what the station says, so that's what we do. But before we get into all of that, make sure that you are tapped in with us. Make sure you're following us on all of our socials, KBLA1580. Have you downloaded the app yet? Make sure you have the app downloaded so you can take us with you. Leave messages for any of the hosts here. And if you've missed an episode of any of the shows, you can catch that in the podcast through the app. So make sure you're doing that. And of course, make sure you're following me at Stiletto Jill. If you happen to be on YouTube, join the YouTube chat. It is always bustling in there. Lots of conversation in the mix. So check us out there. Now, let me let you know what we have coming up for you tonight. So, of course, we're coming back off of a weekend, so that means there is so much news, so many topics to get into. We're going to talk about track star Noah Lyles. He had some commentary regarding the NBA and whether or not the NBA world champions are actually considered world champions. We're going to get into his comments and some feedback from some NBA players and a little bit more into that story and why I think this came up. We're also going to talk a little bit about Cardi B. She's in the news. You know, she's on the cover of Vogue Mexico. And of course, there was an interview. So we're going to get into some of those comments that she had going on in there. We're going to talk about some of the dirtiest cities in America. A survey was done. There is a list. And yes, L.A. is on that list. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get into those details in hour two. There's a new KFC ad that is based in Canada, actually. So KFC Canada. And it got a lot of social media attention over the weekend because some feel it's racially insensitive. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into what their fix was and see what your thoughts are. And of course, because it is still the 50th anniversary of hip hop, we're going to get into the 16 highest selling rappers of all time based on album sales. And there's a few surprises in there, kind of, sort of. So we're going to talk about that. And we have a guest coming up in hour one. We have NBA champion, author, entrepreneur, Derek Anderson. We're going to talk to him, get into his backstory. And I actually going to get his opinion on Noel Lyle's comments because he's a great person to ask, right? And in hour three, we have a pre-recorded interview with Stephanie Noni Denivan. She is the VP of Essence in charge of branded content. She is also the EP of owns new docu-series, Time of Essence, which chronicles the 50 years of Essence magazine. So we're going to get into that, all of that and more. But we're going to introduce our guest right now, talk to him, find out a little bit about his history, and he does have some connections to L.A. We'll get into all of that. Please welcome NBA champion 2006 with the Miami Heat, author, entrepreneur, 
keynote speaker, Derek Anderson, to RSVP with Jill Monroe. Hey, Derek, how are you? Man, I am great. How about yourself? I am amazing. Thank you for joining us this evening. Absolutely. I'm proud, glad to be here. Okay, so we're going to get into the Noel Lyles story, but have you heard of anything about that, about his comments? Yeah, we've seen him. Uh, I'm the mental health coach uh, for the MBPA. So I talk to the players, see everything, kind of watch what's going on on social media. and Some people speak with emotional and not intelligence at times, and not to say anything about his intelligence, but I think when you misappropriate words or, or say things sometimes without actually knowing what it is, you speak with the uh, with the uh, unconscious mind. Doesn't make sense sometimes. So yeah, I wasn't. I don't think he meant what he said, even though he says it, uh, because he doesn't understand that everybody has a championship level. So it's odd for him to even say it when he doesn't know what it is. That's fact. So. Talk to me a little bit. How did you become involved with the MBPA and that program's initiative? Because I think it's a very important one. It's something that has probably developed over the past couple of years as we've seen mental health, especially among professional athletes, take um, a lead space. So how did you get involved with it? Uh, I think they. I, I spoke at one of the programs before, and I spoke about my life story and uh, when I was in NBA. And just try to share with them guys, uh, about the difference in real uh, real mental health issues, how you can have anxiety, panic, all those issues during, uh, even before, but during and after, and also about excuses. I think mental health is a real thing, but I think some of these kids and young men need to be held accountable, and I think what we're doing is we're, we're misleading the word mental health sometimes with excuses. So I'm the guy who kind of brings it to the forefront, talk to the guys like, hey, I've made a mistake, I've I can't make excuses for my mistakes. I think we can't let that become more because if you tell a lie long enough, people will believe it, including yourself. And letting these guys know, it's okay to say I messed up, man, but it's time to move on. And I think when you separate those two and then you understand what you're doing, a lot of the mental health issues that happens to us, of all athletes, all people in the world, is we have a reality check with ourselves. And therefore, we can be better as people. And then we can perform in any job or any career that we have. And, uh, I've just been fortunate enough to work with some good people at the MBPA. I've been able to work with some uh, some of the players and try to get their lives better, which is you can't save the world, but you can say, you know help as many people as you can and let God do the rest. Amen to that. So you mentioned that your story, which you've shared um, previously when you were in the league, is kind of what led you into the NBPA. When we come forward, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about your history and your unique story and the incredible circumstance that you went through but still managed to reach your goal and make it to the NBA and everything that you've been through with that. So we're going to get into that when we come forward. We are joined by Derek Anderson, former NBA star. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. I am joined by my guest, Derek Anderson, and I actually didn't give him all of his dues. I should also mention that he was a member of the 1996 Kentucky team that won an NCAA championship in addition to winning that 2006 title with the Miami Heat. We drafted 13th in the 97 draft, D.A.? Yeah, that's it. Okay, okay, to Cleveland, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And your backstory 
is so, so very interesting. I mean, the fact that you just made it to college, made made it out of your circumstance. You have a book called Stamina, which details a great deal of the early parts of your life. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about your early beginnings and why it's so unique? Uh, what's funny is I didn't think about the NBA growing up. I when we played, grew up, we played with love, passion. We just loved to be the best player in our neighborhood. Uh, I think that was something that would push me to survive. At 10, my dad was like 6'9". He's a great player, but he made some life choices and went to the streets, and I didn't see him for 20 years, and we lived in the same city. And him and my mother had real arguments and fights, and she tried to shoot him with a gun. And I remember seeing it and was like, wow, this is crazy. And he left, didn't see him. I came home. I was about to be, I was 11 and a half into an empty apartment. I didn't see my mother for years. and It was, it was crazy because didn't nobody talk to me. Didn't nobody say nothing. My older brother ran away from home. So I literally lived in this project housing by myself almost at the age of 12 and just stayed in other people's houses. I washed my clothes in the tub. Um, it was just, it was crazy because the neighborhood actually helped me survive. And everybody tells that story like, yeah, he stayed at our house. He would clean up. He would do odd jobs that we took care of and we helped him. And it was literally a community just helped me survive. At 14, I stayed with a high school uh, girlfriend. She was 17. I was 14 and she got pregnant. And I was born in 73, and my son, Derek Jr., was born in 88. So it was, like, crazy. She got arrested for shoplifting. Uh, I was a single dad. I had to go back to my old neighborhood, stay in a, an apartment right next to a lady who kept kids. So we didn't have heat and electricity, so we used extension cord to kind of survive for, like, 18 months until she got out of jail. And I still graduated. I couldn't sign with the school I wanted to because I wasn't old enough yet, and I didn't know about I didn't have a Social Security. I didn't have anything. My parents... My mother had never seen me play. I hadn't seen her in years. So uh, I literally was on my own, man. I never drank, never smoked drugs, never sold drugs, never stole nothing. I was just working. And for me to do that, I knew it was a purpose God had behind me. And it was like, you know what, if you do the right things, good things happen to you. So I just felt like that was a situation that I was put in to be better as a person. So uh, that was that was a crazy time in my life. Even when I wrote my book, was like, what do I do? And I realized that I just did the right things, man, and good things happened to me. I mean, from the age of 12 on your own and then becoming a father a few years later to like buckling down and focusing, going to one of the top schools in the country, especially when you think about athletics, winning a championship and then going on to the NBA. You definitely know about stamina and perseverance. So when you're talking to these younger players, because the generation, it's very different, I think, in mindset from when you first entered the league. And there's a little more entitlement. There's a little more expectation probably than what you had. You were one of the first athletes signed to the Jordan brand when Michael Jordan decided to extend it out to other players and things of that nature. So when you have these conversations with these younger players, how much do you get into your own personal story or how curious are they about it? Because I know at the same time too, because they're exposed to a lot, their um, thought process of where they are as far as maturity is probably a little different as well too. Yeah, it's a difference. It's a title, but a lot of it's the adults that are allowing this stuff and, you know, not being held accountable. It makes a kid not understand responsibilities or uh, repercussions of what happens in this world. And I think that hurts them mentally because they're not prepared for that stuff. You know, we were taught it was it was respect at every every turn. Even if you made a mistake, you still respected someone. You made it, you said I apologize or something. Now it's just like 
when I grew up this way, I got it's a whole lot of excuses for doing the right thing. And I think this new generation still doesn't realize that it's going to hurt you more than it will hurt anything else. Uh, just not being able to accept certain things, being able to move on from them. And that's a big problem that we have, but you can't give up on the world. We can't give up on our children. Uh, we just try to make it better. And for me, when I do share my story is the greatest story I ever tell these guys is I tore both ACLs into college. I went to Nike and Michael Jordan was there. So I walked into his office and he talked to me. And he's like, man, you know, I've been watching you play. And I'm thinking like, wow, this dude watched me. And he said, uh, I'm going to sign you. I want you to be the one of the first members of my Jordan brand. And I'm like, you know, you know, I tore both knees. What's it called? And he's like, jump, man. And I'm like, all right, but you sure? And he was just like, man, I don't care about your knees. I know you are good. You, we work hard, but I'm, a, I'm signing you because of what everyone spoke highly about is your character and your work ethic. So the man gave me a, a deal based upon my character and work ethic. Not because I, I wasn't healthy. I only played half the season. So he said, I'm giving you a contract because everyone spoke highly about who I was as a person, how hard I worked, how good I was as a teammate. He said, I want you to represent my brand because of your character. So I share that with those guys. So even sometimes when you don't expect someone like me to get what I got, it was because of how I was as a person. And a lot of these kids don't understand that. And because what happens is what's going to happen when they don't have that fame anymore, people are not going to hire them because they don't like them. Right. People right in this, in this world now, they hire you if they like you. And that's just a fact. I mean, you got the same degree, somebody in the same work, at the same everything. They're going to say, which one do I like most? And that's who's going to get the job. So try to bring that forefront so they can see the reality of what real world's about. That's factual. So you spent a season here with the Clippers. I know that was not one of your favorite years as far as basketball. The winning, I mean, well, the lack of winning <laughs> kind of took a toll on you, right? Right. Um, I lost more games in a, in a month in my whole college career. <laughs> exactly. Like, so it, it wasn't a, um, a good time for you. And so that took a toll on you as far as your space and playing. Is that something that you share with players as well? Because I know, like, higher up in the draft you're going – the less, the worse off the team is, obviously, and not everyone yeah. can deal with the ups and downs of losing, especially, you know, you came from a winning pedigree. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, and it was funny, is, but I tell them, you do the right things, good things that happen. I, was, I played with them, won 17 games out of 82, but then I went to San Antonio the next year for a one-year deal, and then I had, I was on a number one winning team, and we won 60 games. I said, just that fast because of who you were and how hard you played, your life can change, your career, and your, everything else can change. Absolutely. So it was pretty simple, man, to share it. So once they saw it, but yeah, I loved LA. I loved the Clippers. Um, I just think, you know, of course, we had an owner that wasn't, you know, focused on certain things, so he couldn't sign nobody back. So it was just one of those situations where you got to got to do what you can to survive through certain situations and work for the next opportunity. Absolutely. So when you think about, I mean, obviously this, well, last season, we, there was a lot about John Morant and he later came out and said that he was dealing with some things. How do you think that with everything being, you know, social media, that's not something that you really had to deal with in your career right. as far as, you know, the tail end of it, you know, with Facebook mm -hmm. and MySpace, but not how it is now. So what are those conversations like? Because social media adds a whole other element. It can be a revenue generator as well, but it also can cause a lot of issues and problems. So what are the conversations like surrounding that? Well, I tell those guys, I meet them where they're at. I don't try to say, hey, I'm old school. Hey, I did it this way. But I will tell them what the reality of it is. There's, there's a, the, 
I know for a fact I will be a fool to think that everybody likes me, but they will be a fool to think that I care that they don't like me. And I think those players laugh and they joke and they see like, wow, he's right. None of those people helped me make it, so why am I listening to what they're saying? And I think they don't realize you don't put that out. Like I've been on social media for like 10 years. I've never used a cuss word on there. I said, if I don't use a cuss word, why is somebody going to sit there and discount my credit, my character? They're going to say something negative. I mean, they don't like somebody. Somebody might be hard listening right now. They're like, man, I don't like his voice. But they're still listening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like this about this person. You know, I feel like, but they're still listening. So if they're going to watch you, give them something positive. I said, people are always out here looking for something negative. You give something positive, it's usually hard for them to jump on or fight with you when you're doing something right. And I said, you do what you do in your private life. So I tell these guys, I meet them where they're at. And I give them examples of what could, what's, what's the best thing that's going to happen to you if you start arguing with somebody on social media. They're right, you're right, then what's next? They got all that information to do what with it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think a lot of these guys, I just try to, exactly, I just meet them where they're at with everything. And, and most guys receive it, uh, working with a lot of the new guys. Some of the young guys have to go through it. You know, everybody doesn't listen. It's like you're having three, like two children in the same household. One might do one, one might do the other. There's no blueprint to parenting. There's no blueprint to anybody's life. They have to create their blueprint in order for it to work for them. Absolutely. So your transition from playing into retirement, how was that for you? Because we hear sometimes about some players and they have trouble with that. They don't know how to adjust or what to do with their time. I mean, obviously you seem to have managed it pretty well. So how were you prepared for that transition? And how did you set yourself up so that you wouldn't fall into some of the traps that we hear about from others? Well, I had already established my habits. And like I tell these guys, your habits create your history. Like not drinking, not smoking, not gambling, not going out, not being wild. So when I retired, I did the same thing I did when I played. Focused on my businesses, got some hotels open, bought some properties, did those things. And I stayed under the radar. Like I don't need the attention. I want the success. I don't, I don't want fame. I want success. And a lot of guys didn't know what to do when they were playing. And when they retired, they were still looking for a process or somewhere to go. And I don't think they established their habits for something that they could live without the sport, live without the game, live without the finances. So I was able to do it because I worked when I was uh, playing, and I just created those habits of what am I going to do when I retire? And when I retired, I was happy because I had won a championship, played 10 years plus. I had got my pension. Like, I had accomplished everything I could possibly accomplish, and I was okay. Like, I was cool leaving. I left years on the table. But I didn't want my back to hurt. I didn't want my knees to hurt. So I said, let me go out what I can go out now. And I, after I retired, man, I, I really enjoyed myself. I missed the game, the camaraderie of my, my teammates, but I didn't miss the, 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 the grind of it because there wasn't no more passion in the game. A lot of the game started to change a little bit, and I didn't, I didn't like where it was going. Uh, a lot of the situations were different, uh, especially when you get older. You know, everybody doesn't say, hey, I need you anymore. So, right. like, I get I get the business side. So, let me go out to something else. So, I was fortunate enough, man. That, and I listened. I listened to my vets. So, my veteran guys, older guys, I called up people that I knew. Said, hey, man, what should I do this, this, and that? And I had a lot of mentors, some good mentors of, of men. And not telling me what I wanted to hear, telling me what the reality was. So, I knew what I had to do by listening to some of the older guys, too. So were those habits set before you got to the NBA, or is that something that you acquired along the way while you were a professional? I acquired it along the way. I also listened to people when I was younger, though. I listened to people who had been through stuff. Uh, I, I can You can learn from anybody. You don't have to be the most intelligent person in the world to learn. You can learn from somebody who's not the smartest person, but they've gone through stuff. There's no better teacher than experience. Absolutely. So I learned before, but then also when I got to the NBA, I started listening 
I started learning. I was looking like, well, who is this? Like, how's my owner worth a billion? I like to know how he made it. Even though he's a fan of mine, I like to know what he did. I like to know how he got his LLCs. And, you know, I just try to figure out what they did so well outside of basketball. And my relationship building was really good. So that really helped me out. So as far as that, you mentioned that you, you know, got into business heavy. You had started while you were still in the league, but you um, shifted your focus once you were out. How did you avoid some of the pitfalls that some of the other players have gone through? You were smart with your money. You weren't really extravagant. You made sure that you were responsible. So how did you make sure to keep that, you know, in check, but still enjoy yourself? Yeah, we all have vices. Mine was cars. I love cars. I did that, but I didn't gamble. I had one house. I live when I've lived in a different cities. I got apartments, so I never bought another house. So I didn't have to sell it. Didn't lose money. I'd spend two thousand twenty five hundred a month. I'd be out, you know, how many months I ever played? You know, eight months. It was sixteen plus utilities. So I was like, okay, I can be out there, but I'm not sitting here buying a couple houses. And I just like I said, I created habits. So. I think a lot of that situation is just how they live when, they, when they're younger. You know, when you get older, the money only shows who you really are. So for me, it's like knowing how I come, grew up. It's like, it's funny because I was like 14, I got my first job. I used to have those big gulpy cups and put like five cents, 10 cents, quarters in each one so I could know how to, how many diapers to get for my son, how much money I was going to get for bread and bologna. Like I was actually counting and budgeting with, with change like that. So I, again, my habits created kind of the way I lived when I got older. That's amazing. So tell us where we can find you now. What can we look forward to catching up with you in as far as business and where everyone can, of course, lock in with you on social media? Oh, uh, yeah, I got a couple of things that I'm doing in the works. Uh, some, uh, uh, a crazy sports drink that I have. Nobody has it out right now. And I have a couple of movies I'm, I'm producing now. And, and there'll be movies that you won't, just think the normal, like my life story that I'm doing is I'm not going to just do a life story and say, Oh, he made it through. So such and such. It's a good story, but I'm actually doing a movie where I show it. I rewind the part where I could have made one decision or the other. And now it's a teaching tool. So now the teachers in the world, the parents of the world, they can say, look what he had to face. Look what he had the option to do. He could have went to the streets and sold with his buddies, or he could have go play basketball and go to school. I had those choices. And now my life story is a teaching tool to the next generation. You always got a choice. When you face with that choice, which way are you going? Because you know which way is this to the left, but what you do on the right is what you need to find out your pur- your purpose is. So my movies, and I'm still going around speaking on tours and uh, trying to help this next generation out. Uh, so I'm excited about my next, uh, my next uh, move. I just turned 50 in July. So uh, I'm ready to go and see what's, what's next. Happy belated. Okay, and your social media, where and what's the website? You know, they got to check in with you. Yep, yep. All right, it's uh, staminafd.com. That's the website, uh, staminafd.com. And my uh, all my social media is Derek L. Anderson, D E R E K L. Anderson. Well, so thank- if anybody wants me to come help or anything, let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Make sure you reach out and thank you so much for joining us. I will be calling you again during the season to ask you back on to get your opinion on things. We appreciate you so much for taking the time to tap in with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me too. 
Thank you so much. When we come forward, we will have the actual clip of Noah Lyles and what he had to say and some of the reaction from NBA players and Drake, of all people. We'll also have more trending topics and headlines. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You know, Andy and I do this thing where he tries to stump me with the songs that he comes in with. Now, obviously, that was T.I., but let me tell you, I have never heard that song before. I'm like, I know it's T.I. I think it sounds familiar. No, it actually doesn't. What is that, Andy? Have you listened to the Urban Legend album from T.I.? Which one? Wait. That one had a bring him out, bring him out, bring yeah, him out, that's bring the, him Yeah, that's out. the one that kind of like you don't know popped him me. up. Absolutely, 2004. Yeah. It's off of that album. I See. It's a, it's a, it's a beat cut. Yeah, okay, because, I mean, but I am OG T.I. when he was still tip, Rubber Band Man, yeah. that was my bounce around, but I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, this was the album after the <laughs> Rubber Band Man and all that. Shout out to T.I. I mean, I remember the album, mm-hmm. Bring Him Out, I just don't remember that cut. Yeah. Just, all right. Get Your Ish Together featuring uh, Lil' Kim, Fire. Okay, okay. Fire right. record. Shout out to Lil' Kim. You know, I love some Lil' Kim. <laughs> You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, we were talking to former NBA star, NBA world champion, Derek Anderson. And we mentioned that American sprinter Noel Lyles, you know, he won over the weekend. He's been actually doing his thing for the past couple of seasons. I think he and Usain Bolt are the only, like, he won his third straight 200-meter title 200-meter title, let me slow down, at the World Athletic Championships in Budapest, same place where Shikari won. And um, he had the third fastest time ever. He um, was only one of his three medals at the competition. He also won gold in the 100-meter. And um, he's the first person to sweep the 100 and 200 since Usain Bolt in 2015. So... People are looking at Noah Lyles as he's next up. He also anchored the 4 by 100 relay. They came in first. So three medals, right, over the weekend. So we know that he had some comments about the NBA and world champions. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. World champion of what? (laughs) The United States? You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. That is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. (laughs) Now, before we get into why he's wrong, right, we're going to mention that obviously we heard from Derek Anderson who said he's a little misguided. He's not sure why he made those remarks, but he doesn't know. On Twitter and Instagram, of course, the NBA jumped in, you know, Kevin Durant was like, somebody help this brother. Devin Booker chimed in with the facepalm emoji and was like laughing out loud. Is somebody going to tell him? Bam Adebayo wrote, 
uh, De'Aaron Fox was like, why does bro care so much with the laughing emoji? Damian Lillard hit him with the TF, you know, the and two laughing emojis. Um, so, you know, everybody had some conversation in response to what he said. And OK, so from a very basic level, the NBA is an international league. You know, we can go Luca, we can go Dirk, we can go San Antonio Spurs, Manu, I mean, Tony Parker. There's so many different eras of that. We know that the NBA is the top league in the world as far as players and talent. We can go to what has happened in the last, what is it, the last three, three or four, three uh, Olympic games. I'm yes. talking about the Olympics. Okay. Um, as far as taking gold and running it down, you know, I take I did, forgot to mention the MVP of last year, Nikola Giannis. The last three MVPs. The last three MVPs, that's right. The number one draft pick that just went down. So really, I mean, the NBA has been one of as far as the professional leagues. You can go back a little bit to baseball when you know, they've infused, but the NBA has been the league that has sort of done it the best, had the most integration as far as with bringing the world into where we come. You think about during NBA All-Star Weekend, there was a period of time when the rookie sophomore game was basically the USA versus the world. There are enough international players in the NBA that we could have a whole team comprised of international players. So, you know, you don't know what he's talking about. The NBA just, I mean the NBA. The guys that are playing in the World Cup, the FIBA World Cup right now, just be Greece on Monday, you know? So it's a little short-sighted, but I have a theory as to why he said it. Andy, what do you have to say? Um, so he has a point. Where he's wrong is in his delivery. Like, bro, who hurt you? <laughs> I, I agree with him in the, in the sense that, I mean, if you want to be technical, right? I understand that we do have players from around the world, right? So the point that you made, I agree with as well. But I do remember growing up and, you know, being a Laker fan, you see the banners. Most of the banners said world champions. Mm -hmm. And considering the league is the National Basketball Association, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the play is here within America. Although, yes, we do have, you know, imports or whatnot that's coming from all over the world playing in the best league in the world. Right. I get it. Um I do think that they should change it to NBA champions. Um, the only issue I had, once again, is just his delivery. It's like, bro, who hurt you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, you've been doing your thing, but I, I never heard of you until now. So he, he's been out there for quite a, a little bit. He's been making some noise. He's young. He's 26. Um, he's also currently filming a documentary for NBC Sports. And he's going to be featured in a Netflix series on the 100-meter race. So he's also been, in the past couple of years, much like we've heard Shikari Richardson mention how track athletes don't get a lot of traction they don't get a lot of attention there's not a great deal of money in track like there is with some of the other sports so these are the comments that Noah made right before these NBA comments that most people haven't really been paying attention to 
And this is what he said. Medals are the first step because then people pay attention to you. We've got more to do. We've got to be presented to the world. I love the track community, but we can only do so much within our own bubble. There's a whole world out there. So I think that and, and there's been some things that have happened in some of the races or, you know, some of his comments. I believe he wants to be a personality. That's very clear. And he wants to take advantage of it. So if I target another league with this and I point it out, that's going to get me some attention, which it has. Because as you just pointed out, Andy, you hadn't even really heard of him. You know, you have to kind of be deep into the track circuit to know who he is. And then to take it a step further for anybody to really pay attention or care. That's, you know, we don't really care about track until the Olympic years. So next summer we'll care. However, those coins we want every day. And so I think that he's trying to create a little bit of buzz around himself and get some action and take advantage of the social media world that is out there and I think that that has a lot to do with why he made the comments and the way in which he approached it so yeah I see the cloud chasing I, <laughs> I definitely see that <laughs> um, I just think that it might uh, it might be something bad for him moving forward because you know we do have the Olympics next year right and I just feel like you know he's going to be one of them individuals low-key trying to take a picture uh, with the USA basketball team, right, representing the world. <laughs> and they're not going to want to take pics with they gonna him. They're going to shun him. They're going to shun him. They're going to go straight to Shikari Richardson, not you, my boy. I mean, I, I believe you. I hear you 100% with that. But I also think he he has some cockiness to him. There's a little chip on his shoulder. So I, I think he he's trying to you know, make his bread and butter and get his weight up to get some of those social media eyes, clouts, and dollars. Nah, son. Nah, son. Yo, yo, your cockiness is what's horrible about that statement. If he was a little bit humble, I get it. You just won your you just won your meat. You know what I'm saying? You won hundred meters. You feeling yourself. I get it. Be cocky. But bro, at the same time, it's like you shading the the individuals who done busted their tail. You know what I mean? To to be successful in that league, how are you going to shade another sport? Because you're so hurt by the fact that they're considered world champions? Shut up. Just like you said, the whole world is in that league. And you know what? They're in the, the FIBA right now. Right. So, and I mean, and we've been running things since 92, minus, you know, those dark years in the mid 2000s when the stars didn't want to play anymore. And even in that, given week work, they still got a bronze medal. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I know the rest of the world is catching up, but I feel like there are enough instances every four years. You know, how often is the World Cup in soccer? Same. So, I mean, if every four years in the Olympics, the best of the best from our league plays the best of the best of the world. And in 95 percent of the time over the last 30 plus years, we stomped you. I feel like when the NBA pouts out their world champion banners and hats and T-shirts and that um that you know precursor to the title i think it's appropriate and i rock with it when we come forward we will have more trending topics and headlines you are locked into rsvp with jill monroe here on kbla talk 1580 welcome for vips you are locked into rsvp with jill monroe here on kbla talk 1580 now 
Just a reminder, if you have a comment, a question, you want to add your voice to the mix, you can feel free to give us a call, 800-920-1580. We'd love to hear from you. So before we came forward, we were discussing Noah Lyles and his comments about the NBA not truly being world champions. What I forgot to mention is that earlier this summer, Noah ran in a race in Jamaica and he had a conversation with Usain Bolt. And as I mentioned, those two are the only ones to um, be three-time world gold medalists in the men's 200, right? Just those two. So he shared that Usain told him track needed his personality. So again, I just think that a lot of these comments are based off of building up an image, a person, you know, so that people can tap in and really be, I guess, when's the, who's the last American track star that we had as far as male? Is it Otto? I think maybe Maurice Green, Maurice Green, something like that. We haven't been talking about men in track in a while. And I guess he wants to bring that fervor back and get the coins. We're talking American men. American men, yes. Okay. Obviously, Usain, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why Usain shared that with him, I guess. But, you know, what were you going to say, Andy? Ain't nobody checking. I like track. You know what I'm saying? I competed in track. I was more on the field aspect, long jump. But I, I definitely love track. But like you said, we're not really tapping into track until, like, the Olympics, really. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and, and here's the problem, especially with us as black people. Why do you feel, that, and, and I know you're talking more so about the league, but think about the individuals that, that, that you know, that encapsul- encapsulate the league. You know what I'm saying? Why do you have to uh, put somebody down to big yourself up? Exactly. I mean, you see the names that I said responded. Stars. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, D-Book, you know, OG, Udonis Haslam, even Drake weighed in on it. So, I mean... I, but some people subscribe to uh, all publicity is good publicity, and he's ready for the smoke. So, well, <laughs> well I'm waiting for a response from him. I, let's see. I mean, you know, he may be like, "My work is done until the next race." Should he apologize? Nah, I don't think he should apologize okay. because I mean, it it's misguided, but in the grand scheme of things, is it harmful? It's his opinion. It is. And, you know, I disagree, Mm -hmm. but there's some people that do. I saw some comments that were saying, yeah, you know, in soccer, they actually match, you know, and things like that. So there's some people that definitely take his point. And we said that to a degree, we understand what he means, but we're not letting that ride with that. I just once again, I just think if he would have just humbled himself a little bit more, uh, that octave, if he would have lowered that octave just a little bit more. For what? You know what I'm saying? And if he said what he said, at least for me, I would have received it a little bit more because I do understand what it where he's coming from. But I mean, just the fact that it hurts you, bro, like calm down, bro. Like, you know, but it does. It does make me ask this question. You know, I'm not an NBA athlete. That probably would have been perfect for for Mr. Anderson. But, like, what is more valuable, you know, an NBA championship or a gold medal? Interesting. It probably depends on who you ask. I have to – I know 
D.A. Derek that we just talked to, he played in one of those world, I, I can't remember, and I don't want to mess it up. Mm-hmm. But The world championship, FIBA. I think so, yeah, one of those things mm-hmm. at time. Um, so, you know, that's right. I guess we'll put it in the cut when he calls back, and we'll tap in with him and keep that on lock. Um, you know, I wonder what someone like Melo thinks, because Melo has several gold medals. I know for a fact. Well, I don't know for a fact. But if Before I had to put, back, my, if I had I to put myself in his shoes, trust me, he would want that NBA chip so much so. more than that. Because they consider him to be one of the greatest Olympic basketball players of all time. Right. But when we talk about who's the best, this, that, and the third, his name is not going to be up in there. Why? Because he doesn't have, an, he doesn't have a chip. He has a national title and an Olympic gold medal, couple gold medals, Hall of Fame. But I think he would still want that NBA chip. I mean, Melo was a walking bucket. You just think if because we all know it was supposed to be him instead of Chris Bosh, but Melo locked in for all of those years on the contract, like, give me my coins now. Um, and, And so who's to say whether or not it was the best decision? Who's to say it would have worked with a big three of Wade, Braun and Melo? You know, we saw the big three in its in that version have many issues we know about who's going to take the lead or whatever. And D. Wade had to step back and sort of I know LeBron was the better player, but Dwayne was the leader and he definitely gave LeBron that insight on how to win, you know, playing for the great Pat Riley. Hope you guys have been checking out winning time. Um, speaking of, since we brought that up, and we'll have something to do with winning time coming up later this week. A couple of things, actually, but that's that. Um, really quickly, more basketball stories. And since we mentioned LeBron, Bronny James has been diagnosed. The family released a statement. And basically what they believe has happened is that the probable cause of his cardiac arrest was a congenital heart defect. And the statement said the heart defect can be treated and the family is confident that he will be able to make a full recovery and return to the court in the near future. I saw him with the other USC players this weekend at the football game. You know, he they said that he is in classes, his coach talked about that, you know, no one players before the others. And one of the big things about playing at USC is not just what you do on the court. It is your academics. And so he said that they started classes a couple of uh, weeks ago and Bronny is locked in and they just want to see him be healthy and, you know, take things day by day and see what happens. So we are excited as long as he's healthy, to see him take the court and begin his college career. We're, of course, excited about that. Prester John in the chat says, when NBA players were allowed to compete in the Olympics, that was BS. They are allowed to compete in the Olympics. What are you saying? You mean before that they were, when it was still college players? I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading your question. Ask it again, Prester John, or your statement. We'll catch up with that. When we come forward, we will have, of course, more trending in topics, more trending topics and headlines. We're going to talk about this new KFC ad in Canada, why some people think that it's racially insensitive. We're going to talk about the dirtiest cities in America and what we think the cause is and what the plans are to help that out. Of course, we're also going to get into a little hip hop news in the third hour about the 16 
biggest selling rap artists in history. This is strictly a numbers game. That's going to be an interesting, interesting conversation. All that and more. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580.